Well, good morning. My name is Jared Clary, and I'm one of the pastors here over Discipleship and Missions, and it's a great joy to bring God's Word to you this morning. And so if you've got your Bible, we will be in 1 Samuel chapter 19, and we're going to cover that whole chapter today. But let me just ask, what do you do when you feel like you're following what God has for you? Your heart's not convicting you of any sin that you know about in your life. You're walking the path which you have had confidence that the Lord led you to. And then all the wheels start falling off the cart. Things start to unravel and you start to go, well, wait a minute. God, I thought that you led me here. God, I thought that this was the plan which you had for me. I thought that I was following your ways. Why would these things happen? In the text this morning, what we're going to see is that as we walk according to God's ways, and as we seek to follow God, when things don't go as planned, it oftentimes causes doubts and discouragement. That's what it leads to a lot of times for us. But as we look at our text this morning, what we're going to see is that there's a divine perspective that we get out of 1 Samuel, but we're also going to pick up out of Psalms and we're going to get David's kind of human perspective. Because David, as we've been studying in Samuel, David's been walking, he's anointed as king, he's been following after God's heart, he's been obedient And kind of all the wheels are falling off at different times. God's given him great victory over Goliath. And then he's playing his lyre for the king. And the king throws a spear at him and tries to pin him to the wall. And we go, what? Well, in our text today, we're going to see even more of that. That the wheels are kind of falling off to what maybe we would think is the path to David's kingship. But God has a different plan. And so Samuel's going to give us this divine perspective and Psalms is going to give us this David perspective. And we're going to see what I want you to get is that you can trust in God's sovereign provision to accomplish his plan. You can trust in God's sovereign, his powerful, all-knowing, in control at all times provision. To accomplish his plan. The way he wants to do it. So let's pray and ask that the Lord would put that in our heart this morning. God, as we study your word, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see. That you would give us ears to hear. And that you would give us a heart that desires the things which you have for us. Lord, we ask you to speak through your word to us this morning that we might look more like you today than we did yesterday. That we might have hope for the future. That we might have a foundation that is sure and steady when trials come. Lord, would you encourage us this morning through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking here in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. This first scene is going to unfold between verses 1 and 7. And we're going to see, keep an eye out for God's provision for David. 
God's provision for David. How does God provide for David? Verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. Well, Saul, the king, wants to kill David, the man who defeated Goliath, who saved Israel. Saul wants to kill him. But that's not new to us. He's wanted to kill him. He's been jealous of David because the people sang the song. Oh, David's killed ten thousands and Saul has killed thousands. And Saul is jealous and he's angry and he wants to kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I'll tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, This is the son, Jonathan, speaking to Saul, the king. Let not the king sin against his servant, David, because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Like, can you see the interaction? Jonathan, the son's going to his dad and he's like, dad, can I just try and talk some sense into you? Dad, do you remember what David did? The people love you because of David. Why would you kill him? David hasn't done anything to you, dad. Why would you try and kill him? He's actually blessed you. And dad, remember? You even rejoiced in what he was doing because you saw the good in what he was doing. And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore. Look at this. As the Lord, as Yahweh lives, he shall not be put to death. Now, I just love this because there's some irony all throughout this passage that there is a a great foreshadowing there spoken out of the mouth of Saul, the one who was just wanting to kill David. He's swearing by Yahweh that David shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. Okay, so David, this plot comes out from the messengers and Jonathan that David is being hunted by Saul. Can you imagine David's thought process? I thought I'm supposed to be king. I thought that, remember when Samuel came, anointed my head, said, you're going to be king? Like, I thought this was the path to it. Remember that awesome victory over Goliath where God did awesome things through that little sling and stone? Like, God provided the victory. Man, God was really establishing me as king. 
giving me favor with all the people. And now I'm being hunted by the king. But yet in the midst of that, we see God's divine intervention of providing a faithful friend. God provides a faithful friend. His provision for David comes in the form of a faithful friend. It didn't come as an angel out of the sky. God can do that. But it came in the form of a faithful friend. And it brought about restoration. Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. It brings about this restoration of David and Saul back together. Awesome. David's back on track. Verse 8. And there was war again, and David went out, and he fought the Philistines, and he struck them with a great blow, so that they fled before him. Verse 9. And a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, and as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. Pause there. A harmful spirit from the Lord. I think it's helpful to address this here. What in the world does that mean? That's a great question. Well, a few things that we do know, this isn't the first time that a harmful spirit from the Lord has come upon Saul. In our last chapter, a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. But even before that, then there was another time when a harmful spirit came upon Saul. And that was in the moment when God took away his spirit from Saul, then it says a harmful spirit came to Saul. That in the moment, in discipline and judgment, when the Lord removes God's spirit, when he removes his spirit because of Saul's disobedience, then a harmful spirit also comes. That there is a judgment aspect here in God removing his spirit and a harmful spirit coming. That this is discipline and judgment of Saul based off of his disobedience to obey the Lord. And so we see here that that there is a judgment based off of Saul's actions that God is now acting, but it's all part of God's big plan. This is also, I think it's helpful for us to remember that this is based off of Saul's disobedience, right? This isn't God up there just going, hmm, who can I pick? You, you get the bad one, right? No, this is Saul's disobedience to the Lord and this harmful spirit is a part of the discipline and judgment of Saul. So we see this harmful spirit comes upon Saul. Now, If we're good Bible readers, we know from last chapter that this scene sounds like deja vu. We've got harmful spirit come upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. David's playing the liar. This is no good if you're David, right? You're like, "Uh uh-oh, deja vu. Spear in his hand, what's happened? And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul. So that he struck the spear into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. Again, David prevails. We see that God's plan is moving forward with David becoming king. Saul's tried to kill him once. Saul's tried to kill him again in this text. Again, David eludes him. Verse 11. 
Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him that he might kill him in the morning. Now, again, this is like we're seeing this divine perspective of what's happening. Messengers from Saul, because Saul is angry, jealous, harmful spirit, trying to kill David, he sends messengers, premeditated. He's sending these messengers to spy on him in order that he can kill him in the morning. Just keep an eye on this guy because I'll get him in the morning. Keep an eye out for what is the Lord's provision in this scene. But Michael... David's wife told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let down David through the window and he fled away and he escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with the cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. And then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. And Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me thus and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? All right, so let's look at what is going on here. What is the Lord's provision in this situation? The Lord provides, wives, listen, through a loving wife. The Lord's provision was through a loving wife. But again, we're looking at this from a divine perspective, and I think it can be super helpful for us to, to think about this What was David experiencing in this? What was David actually feeling? Was he really like this robust to where he's like, I'm anointed king, what can y'all do to me? I'll survive anything. No, this is what it looked like in Psalm 59. Then this is a psalm that David wrote while men were watching at his house in order to kill him. So in this moment, this is what David writes. Deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. For no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, God, do you care? God, are you there? Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord, God of hosts, are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Can you hear in his words that God, do you see this? Like, let me maybe help you understand this. David gets home from playing at the lyre at Saul's, and Michael's like, hey, David, how, how was your day? He's like, well, your, your dad tried to kill me. One of his crazy episodes. Threw a spear at me again. Oh, like, you think your father-in-law doesn't like you. I mean, come on. 
my mother-in-law actually texted me after the first service and was like, we actually love you. I was like, thanks. I got great in-laws. David, not so much. So, so tries to impale him. And then you're talking at dinner and you're telling your wife about your day and you see a shadow go by the window. Kind of hear people rumbling, murmuring, talking outside. You're like, what is going on? Oh, it's dad's messengers. They're here to spy on you and make sure you don't leave so that they can kill you tomorrow morning. What? Like, this is crazy, right? Like, no wonder David's like, God, are you awake? God, do you see this? Do you understand what's happening right now? I thought I'm supposed to be king. But David doesn't stop there. Discouragement and doubt. He doesn't stop there. Yeah, those thoughts come, but that's not where he stops. Look at verse 6 of chapter 59 of Psalms. Here's what it says. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They, there they are bellowing with their mouths with swords in their lips for who they think will hear us. Verse 8. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. Oh, my strength, I will watch for you. Oh, God, you are my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. He goes on and then he gets to this. Each evening they come back howling like dogs, prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growling if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. Come on. David, if you stay, you'll be dead in the morning. David says, oh, but I'm going to sing of the steadfast love of the Lord in the morning. My God is able. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of wheels falling off the cart, but he is able. For you have been my fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, oh God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. But how does that play out? How does that play out? It plays out through the provision of a loving wife who I love. It's so comical. She takes a pillow made out of goat's hair. This one kind of looks like David's hair. Let me put it up here at the head. Fluff it up. Pull the sheet up. Maybe David slept with the sheets up here. Weird people, right? Fluff it up. and We've seen this on the movies, right? We've seen this on cartoons. Like she's building a body double to look like David, tucking it around to look like he's laying in bed asleep so that no one suspects that he's on the run. She let him down out the window. Says, go. Messengers come. Hey, Michael, where's David? Oh, he's still in bed, sleeping. He's sick. Oh, well... Your dad, the king, Saul, he wants, he wants to see him. Well, he's sick. They go back. They tell Saul. Saul says, no, 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 go back. Just tell him to bring him on the bed. Just carry the bed to me. Because I want to kill him. 
Messengers come back and they go up there to get the bed. Like, what? Where is he? Where is he? Why did you do this? Saul asked his daughter, Michael, why have you deceived me thus and let my enemy go so that he's escaped? But look at Michael's answer. Like, Michael is the provision that the Lord provides to save David's life, but, but that doesn't mean that Michael is like this awesome, holy person, right? She then lies. Michael answered Saul, well, David said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? If you don't let me go, I'm going to kill you, and then I'll run. That's not what David said. Michael's the one that tells David, go. But yet, God uses this loving wife to save his life. It's the provisions of the Lord. Comes in the form of a faithful friend, comes in the form of a loving wife. We got one more scene. Keep an eye out for the Lord's provision in this. Verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel. Samuel shows back up on the scene. Samuel, the faithful prophet, he shows back up on the scene. Samuel at Ramah, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. And it was told to Saul, behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. Okay, so he's fled away. He's out of the area. He's fled a long journey in Ramah. And what does Saul do? Saul is set on killing him. But do you remember what Saul said? As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Look at the irony. He's working against himself. He sends messengers. Are they going to prevail? David's going, I can't escape. Where can I run to? I thought I'm supposed to be king. They're even seeking me out here. These messengers, they come to seek out David. Verse 20, I love it. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they prophesied. Can't beat them. God made them join them. So, when it was told to Saul, so messengers go back, they tell Saul, hey, Saul, we didn't get David, but uh, those messengers you sent, they are actually prophesying. They're working with God. Look what Saul does. He sent other messengers. He's like, well, they failed. Let me send guys that are better. They also prophesied. This is the second group of them. Can't beat them. God made them join them. And Saul sent messengers again a third time. Anyone know the outcome? They also prophesied, right? Like three times. You would think that Saul would get the hint. God is fighting for David. God is providing provision to accomplish his plan in David's life. But Saul doesn't get that, verse 22. Then 
he himself went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Seku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they're in Naoth and Ramah. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah. It's a great setup, right? Well, can't count on anybody these days. You just got to do everything yourself. (laughs) So Saul goes, and the spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth. In Rama. So the whole journey he's prophesying. And once he gets there, he's coming there. Remember, he's coming there to get David so that he can kill him. And look what's going to happen. This is the king. And he too stripped off his clothes. And he too prophesied before Samuel. And he laid naked all that day and all that night. Samuel or Saul, the king, goes to get David, God's appointed man, to kill him. And God's spirit does the work. To the extent, makes Saul's messengers prophesy once, twice, three times. Saul himself comes, and God's spirit makes him prophesy, prostrate, laid out, naked, So much to the extent that thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? Like, do you see the irony? Like, Saul is opposing God's man, and yet God's spirit goes, no, no, no. You're just a part of my plan. We see all of these examples of God's provision to accomplish his plan. And we see the different ways that it comes about, the means in which God accomplishes his plan through his sovereign provision, through a faithful friend, through a loving wife, through his spirit. So what? Well, do you believe that God has a plan for you just like he had a plan for David? A plan. Good things in store for you. A plan and a purpose. Good works for you to walk in which were predestined before the foundations of the world. That God has a plan for you. And that he is sovereignly providing all of the provisions needed to accomplish that plan in your life for you to walk in it. One of the most clear examples of that is that he sent Jesus Christ to live on this earth, to die a death on the cross, to pay for the sins which you could not pay for, which I could not pay for, that I rightly deserve the wrath of God poured out against me, and yet Jesus Christ took it. That was a provision which God provided. But it's not the only ones he's provided. God has a good plan for you that you would walk in it. It's a part of his big plan. 
to redeem and restore a people and a planet for his good purposes. And you're a part of that. If you've trusted in Christ, then you are called an heir according to the throne, just like David, anointed. Anointed to the throne, an heir with Christ according to the throne. God has a plan for you. And when you're walking in that plan and things are going well, you're like, yes, I see God's plan. This is great. But when the wheels start to fall off, and maybe it's not someone premeditating murder against you, but maybe it's just discouragement, despair. Feel like you're one step forward and two steps back to accomplishing what you feel like God had called you to. Samuel helps us remember that God is accomplishing a big plan. And as we find ourselves in his plan, you can be sure that he will provide every provision needed for you to accomplish that plan because it's a part of his plan and his plans will never fail. Let me remind you of David's words. Because in order for us to think like this, in order for us to live this out, it starts up here. It starts with our thoughts. And and look at what David says in Psalm 59. Remember, these are people coming to kill him. They're surrounding him. And yet he battles the circumstances around him which seek to discourage and bring about despair in his life. He battles that by saying, each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and they growl if they do not get their fill. It doesn't stop is what he says. But, it doesn't stop, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress, a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength. He gives God a name that you are my strength because I've got none. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, oh God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. We can have confidence that God will provide everything we need to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Sometimes that's going to come through a faithful friend. Sometimes that's going to come through a spouse. Sometimes that's going to come directly from his spirit. But the truth is, despite the circumstances, the Lord is your strength. Where else are you going to run to? He's your fortress. And he never ceases to show steadfast love. Let's walk in that. As the circumstances in the world around us unravel, as the wheels on the cart fall off, let's trust that his steadfast love never fails. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your word that encourages us, just like David, that when the circumstances of this world, the trials, the tribulations, the devil himself, as all of those things crash in to discourage and bring about despair and to bring about doubt, Lord, would you help us to be faithful, to see your faithful provisions, your sovereign provisions, to accomplish your plan and to use us as a part of that plan. God, would you remind us of these truths, that we would be steadfast, that we would be a beacon of hope and life for those around us who are in the midst of despair. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. It's in Christ's name we pray.